Hi, thanks for tuning in to the Gypsy Jazz Hangouts podcast. My name is Cornelius. This is episode 16 featuring Kurosh Kanani. Kurosh is one of the best guitar players around on the scene. Uh, plays in the London Django Collective as well as Latchpen and other outfits. Uh, just released an album called Isan, where he plays on the Telecaster in a kind of Telecaster drums bass setup. Really cool album, you should definitely check that out. In fact, you should go buy it, that's the thing you should do. Uh, joining us on the double bass was Elizar Octavia, uh, one of the big legends in the London Gypsy Jazz scene. Uh, and in fact, as a, a little bonus, uh, Sol Grimshaw uh, plays a bit of guitar on the last tune. So lots to look forward to. Uh, if you like the podcast, consider going to the Facebook page, giving us a like. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Cornelius Corkery, so you can go follow me there. We've got a YouTube channel with lots of cool videos. All of this is, is filmed, so if you want to watch it, you can watch it. We've also got guitar lessons from myself, Andrea Bagani. has got some guitar lessons up there to learn Django Reinhardt and Gypsy Jazz style guitar. Loads of cool stuff, so get stuck in. Send us a message, get in touch, get involved. Good to hear from you. But until then, enjoy this episode of the Gypsy Jazz Hangouts podcast. Cheers. Thank you, thank you. <coughs> Wicked, nice one. Excellent. What are we going to start with, Lance? Tune. Tune. Uh, it's like every gig ever, I just ne- yeah. don't know. One day there'll be a gig where I come with, uh, I think they call them a set list. Oh, uh, yeah. I've, I've read about them, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> um, how about a bit of. Um, let's do the old. <laughs> Thank you. 
Yeah, cool. Nice, nice one. Nice yeah. one. Hey, that was great. Check it out. Applause. <laughs> that doesn't usually happen. What's going on? Kurosh Kadani, how you doing, man? Good. Very good. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks for having me down. Thanks for coming down. It's really nice Pleasure. to have you. And the mighty Elazar Octavia on the bass. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? You good? I'm alright, you? I'm alright. I did a gig with you on Saturday. Saturday, yeah. And he was like, oh, uh, how's that podcast thing that you do? So, are you still doing that? I'm yeah. like, uh, yeah, still going. In fact, do you want to do it on Wednesday? He's like, oh, Scott. So there you go. Thanks, thanks for coming down, lads. No Excellent. So, Kurosh Man, he's a busy man, a man in demand, man down at Ronnie <laughs> Scott's with the London Django Collective. That's incredible, man. That was super fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's, is that like, that's probably the first proper gypsy jazz gig at Ronnie Scott's. I know Borelli's played there, but he did more his like jazz yeah. fusion thing, right? I guess out of, um, I saw him there once, he was just doing a kind of normal gypsy jazz thing. Oh really? Okay. Um, years ago. But I guess it's the first gypsy jazz thing where, you know, they've taken just some guys from a scene in a city. Yeah. And just, and like they do with, with all the other sort of jazz musicians in London, but gypsy jazz is just like sort of, you know, yeah, side mark thing, yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it was great that they decided to put that on and make it a main show and everything. Well, the thing is, I think in jazz, there's still a lot of like a lot of people who don't know much about gypsy jazz see it as like this kind of pretty lame trad jazz thing, and so there's a lot of like jazz venues that wouldn't really think about having gypsy jazz on. Yeah. So <laughs> it's really cool that like the number one jazz place in the country is now putting on gypsy jazz. And okay, granted. You guys, you're all very proficient in a much more modern language of gypsy jazz. It's not the most traddy thing, which is that's fair to say, I guess. Right? Yeah. Probably. It's still very rooted in gypsy jazz, but it's cool. I think it's good that gypsy jazz breaking into like the jazz world. Do you know what I mean? It's good, and it, you know, it, at the end of the day, it's just playing notes over chord changes. Yeah, so true. it's like there's like lots and lots of notes. <laughs> lots <laughs> like and lots of notes. Many as you can fit over in. Over maybe not quite as many chord changes, but yeah, you know, yeah, same thing. That's amazing, and it sold out, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Are, are, you, are they going to have you back? Who knows? Probably, maybe not anytime soon. Because you know, this I can't imagine that's going to happen again anytime soon. But yeah, okay, sure. At some point, but it's just nice to have at least you know done that for incredible yeah. something. Just you know, a scene of guys who like playing GP jazz in London. Yeah. it's just that Amazing. for that reason. It's super nice, and you know, kudos to Harry for for sort of putting his foot in and getting it down. Yeah, man, it's great. Amazing. And like, what about? Because you guys did like the first sort of album in those little volumes, right? And that was like before the pandemic, right? That was just before, yeah. Just it was before. 2009, summer 2019. And I'm guessing any I, any plan for another one was perhaps scuppered by the pandemic. Is there anything in the pipeline with you guys? Yeah, we're recording on the 14th of December. Oh, cool. Oh, brilliant. Recording and the new volume two. And so is it is it volume two and then in volume two it's all the little two compositions each thing again or i think this is actually just one composition each okay it's, is it because there's a lot of you like two oh, is like know. a long album if you did two it, each, right? i mean that's why it wasn't an album last time it was more just like uh, okay. a drip feed of everyone's feature right. kind of thing i think this time it's maybe going to be an album is it just one tune each i'm pretty sure it if is if you're recording in uh, a few weeks then you should it is, just, it is one <laughs> tune each. Sorry, the gig, we did two tunes each. The album's just going to be one each. Yeah, yeah. okay. Brilliant. If I'm recording it, I should probably definitely find that one out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. And like, um, and so you're going to record that all in one like a day or a weekend or something? And then it's, or are you going to do it in dribs and drabs? I, 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 I should have got someone else in this podcast. You yeah. should have just got Matt or Harry. Cause they're, <laughs> they're actually in charge of that band. They know what's going on. I think we're doing it, as far as I know, I think we're doing it in two days. 
Yeah. I cool. think we're doing the 14th and 15th. But Harry, Matt, if you're watching, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Send him a text now. It's my because it is. <laughs> oh, that's really exciting, man. Uh, and like, are, nice, you, yeah. are you doing like any other projects at the minute, or is that the main thing taking up your? In terms of Gypsy Jazz, that that's. That's oh yeah, of course, uh, Asian, your new album. Isan. Isan, sorry, yeah, yeah. Isan. No, yeah, yeah. that's fine. Um, yeah, that's the other thing. So there's there's three main things at the minute. Matt Holborn has a new project he's working on. It's all his own music. Hmm. And it's it's hard to describe what it is, really. Is I that mean, the thing he did at Hull? Yeah. Yeah. So nice. it, it's just Matt's own music, and it's just very sort of, I don't know how I would describe it. It's, it's just sort of beautiful kind of cinematic uh, world Jazz. Yeah, what, I don't what's know. What's the it's instrumentation of it like? That's just drums, bass, piano, and guitar. Wow, nice. Um, all quite sort of acoustic sounding yeah. vibes. And yeah. then there's my trio, which I sang. That's the album I that sang, just came right, out. Yeah, yeah. Which with Matt Davis on drums and Dave O'Brien on bass, and that's just all my own stuff, my own compositions. Yeah, that's a really cool record, man. I was listening Thanks. to it when it came out here actually, and I was like, let's <laughs> check it out. It's um, you on a Telecaster. Yeah. Uh, drums, bass. It's um, it sounds quite proggy to me. It's almost like prog rock in a, in a, in a way. There like, are definitely elements of it which I would kind of agree with. Time you. signatures and that kind of thing. Yeah, because the the it's sort of um, a lot of the language in it is comes from like Persian classical music, and Persian folk music. Right. I wouldn't say it's like it's anything of like authentic Persian classical music it's not but there's it's a not it's informed the compositions to some extent yeah and then there's the the rhythmical aspect of it is just things that I've been studying intensely with um, South Indian music okay. studying the rhythm uh, structures of that kind of music because you you went to India with Matt right we went to India together we uh, went it was Matt's idea we went to study like northern Indian classical music okay with a a teacher up there a guy who plays the sarod What's a sarod? It's like, it's, you hold it like a guitar. He didn't teach you very well. He's like, what is a sarod? <laughs> we weren't learning sarod. We were learning like the the the, the basis of in, of northern Indian classical music. Okay, um, like the theory ish. If you want to call it that, yeah, I guess the theory. It was like how to we play a raga basically. Okay. How to play one raga? We were going to learn over there. Right. And the sarod is like an instrument with no frets. It's like a big. Um, like steel fretboard, big shiny steel fretboard, and it's um, it's all used with just with glides, you know, and it's okay. all about sort of measurement of of your hand and what and playing the raga on this instrument. And I think one when I first ever heard it, I was like, it's essentially like an Indian. Um, you could almost think it sounds like an Indian banjo if you were gonna like try and create okay. a sound in your head. If you've never heard the sound before, okay, it's it has. This kind of very open metally sound, almost like a like a resonator guitar, like a resonator. Yeah. Except yeah. the notes are just like they're just so open and just last a long time. Yeah. And it's um, it does have a distinctly different sound though. But to someone who's like never heard the sound before, that's what I would say. And so, so you and Matt go over to India and you get in contact with this guy, and you spent a while learning stuff. And you say that's definitely influenced the uh, the album you did with the telly. Does that seep into your gypsy jazz as well? Do you take some of those ideas, or is it is that maybe a, a bridge too far? Is it kind of hard to get it in? Uh, no, I mean, in in terms of like playing, making anything sound Indian, I'm not doing that in gypsy jazz or anything. But um, in terms of South Indian music, a lot of the rhythm structures which right. I've been learning is, um, you know, 
using different uh, toplets, meaning like per beat you're going to put a different amount of micro beats per beat. Okay. So instead of going like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, you're going to yeah. maybe have five, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, or seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, nine. Wow. And just sort of cramming in this and playing around with that and making phrases out of those numbers instead. That That's the only way, but with Gypsy Jazz, it's really hard to do that well, I was going to say so like you're improvising like yeah like it must be hard but like I saw a video of you um, you were like you wrote a piece over a guy uh, who was vocalising those rhythmic sounds it's on YouTube somewhere oh yeah that's so uh, that guy is who I've been studying all that's the this. guy you met in no oh. he's um, different it's two different people two different styles of Indian classical music okay, okay. so there's a northern I don't know Indian. anything about Indian classical yeah, music cool, man. as is apparent the more this conversation goes on <laughs> don't worry about it I mean I didn't <laughs> when I went over there either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's there's a northern Indian and there's a southern Indian and the northern Indian is more maybe what we'd be used to hearing is you know you have a, a drone sound in the background and you'll probably have a sitar and there'll be a vocalist and there'll be tablet yeah. south Indian music it's much more like a rhythmically aggressive and there's it's sort mm. of a lot more sort of aggressive in energy in that way and you'll have you'll still have vocalists but you'll have violins and yeah. you'll have a drum called the Mridangam which is like it's this drum that has two sides and you hold it on your lap and it's like a really big like deep meaty sound and various other things depending wow. but um, Amazing. the guy who who was on that video he did like a course online course during the pandemic which I took part in and then later on I you know I, I was so obsessed with it I wanted to continue so I asked him if he could do private lessons yeah. and he's been teaching me ever since and since then he's just become a good friend and we just chat about geek out about stuff and, yeah man that's all incredible that kind of thing. that's so cool and so he's teaching that kind of that rhythmic thing and he's going into he's teaching me in the in the form of conical which is that takadimida kind of thing that vocalized vocal it's the vocal expression of okay. the mridangum that's and what there's like is. syllables put in because that that's the syllables that will fit a nine into one beat or, or it's actually um more simple than that it's like it's it mimicking the mridangum yeah it's mimicking what sounds come from it okay. so if they go like dum, that's literally they'll say dum. oh really it's, da, it's, it's like that's da. It's like so onomatopoeia it's like yeah exactly that wow it's so conical is merely a byproduct of of the Mridangam drum. Wow. And tablet as well. It's it's like vocalese but for drum solos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they, this is what they used to teach students to like people like me who don't play a drum, for example. It's yeah. perfect because and I'm awful at reading music. I can't yeah, I don't read any yeah. notation. I barely read words that Steady on. Oh, this is. Oh, 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 hey, oh, hey, oh, I thought it was one of those swivel chairs that. Oh like, yeah, sorry, that was back. A leg missing. It's actually chair. just broken. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that. Oh look at that. There's not. There's a whole leg missing. Oh no. <laughs> that could have been so bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, carry on. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's. So I've just been learning that for the past year and a half now, Amazing. I guess. That's and it's cool. like, with this album with Isan, it's like a. It's great because it's been like a drip feed into the music I've been writing. So yeah, what yeah. I've been learning from the stuff with Indian classical music and just stuff I'm influenced by as well. It's just learn it, obsess about it and, and try and internalize it in my own way and put it out into something that comes out. And but that's hopefully naturally and never forced. Yeah, and, and that's what came out in this new That's record. this album and it's it's... It's nice to hear because this album's like an up-to-date representation of sort of, I guess, where I'm at with 
with all this stuff and I'm always going deeper and deeper into this rhythm thing Brilliant. and see what brings, see what comes Amazing. out of it next. Wicked man, well let's play another tune. Let's do it. Sol, could you get me a drink please? Could I have a, a bottle of Budweiser please? Thank you Sol. Anyone else? Anyone? I'm alright. Um, can we play... Um, Days of wine, yeah, wine roses. Yeah, 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 yeah. Days of wine roses in F. It's, it's okay. It's crap and stuff, isn't it? You want sorry? Do you, do you want milk or clapping's alright? Cheering. Oh, um, well, clap if it's good, but if, if it's crap, <laughs> then boo and hiss. And yeah, if it's shit, just stuff. throw a bottle of beer on <laughs> <Yeah>. us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
Cool. Yeah, nice. Good job. Good job. Good job. You, you forgot to do the booing and hissing after my solo. So <laughs> way off the ball there. Are <laughs> all them cameras looking good, yeah? Yeah. Excellent. So here's another thing, right? When I uh, hear you play guitar, as I'm doing very closely now, um, you hit the string that's like, it, to my ear, it feels like quite hard. Yeah. Uh, it's the, the notes are almost like snapping off the guitar. They go like that. And what's fun as well is on the on the record when you're on the telly, it's kind of the same. You're hitting that just as hard. I, I don't know, I don't know if you change how you play on the telly, but like for me, if I'm playing this, but then if I'm the telly, it, you kind of just. Um, I've actually I try to play. I do try to play softer on these guitars. I'm I'm I've always been quite conscious that I do hit very hard, but I just. I mean, it sounds good. You know, in really deep. But sometimes I've listened back to myself and said, oh, it actually sounds a little bit twangy. So I've tried, but I don't want to ever lose the, the attack, because I do like playing with attack. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not all the time, obviously. I mean, it, it does lend itself to these instruments in this style, right? Definitely. But um, it's more just a lot of the time playing in lab settings and stuff. It, you course, just yeah. want to make something come out. But with the telly, I use the exact same technique. Hmm. I don't change anything. Um, I just have to... I guess there's a lot more hammer-ons and pull-offs going on when I'm playing the telly. Sure, sure, because sure. Is the action similar? The act, yeah, it's actually quite similar. Probably a little bit easier. A, like a higher, because uh, I mean, tellies are kind of fairly low. Well, depends who's playing them. Yeah, it depends. It, I'd say mine's pretty much in the middle. It's not. It's definitely not too easy to play, but it's not. You don't pick it up and it's like, oh, this is difficult. Yeah, okay, it just yeah. feels like an electric guitar. Yeah. Um, but I use 11s on it, so it's set up for 11, so yeah. it's kind of midway. Because anything more, it starts to, you get tuning problems and yeah, yeah, yeah. all this kind of thing. But I use the exact same technique. I just have to, I do have to soften up. Because, you know, with electric guitars and stuff, because even with my... Uh, left hand. I had to think about what hand that was. Then that was weird. <laughs> um, I, I, I actually just picks up the guitar one day like this. He's like, wait a second. <laughs> I'm not going to lean back on this chair ever again. I'm do you want to like just it. turn it round a bit? Like... No, I'm just going to teach. Just just teach. Just learn the lesson. <laughs> okay, just correct posture. But um, even with my left hand, I press very hard because I'm just quite a heavy-handed person. Right. But um, so it's good with the telly because I've had to really practice lightness on that and okay, just. Okay. And it's good because you learn that even if you play lightly, a sound comes out. Yeah. And yeah. it sounds stupidly simple to say that, but sometimes no. you forget that it's like you, with different kinds of guitars, different music, you you know you can play softly, and it's like a holiday sometimes. It's like oh, I don't have to try so hard. Totally. Well, I mean, I think with these guitars, I think uh, to get them the sweet spot, it kind of demands a lot of you. You've got to hit it a bit more aggressively than like most people would hit a guitar in other genres. Mm. Uh, whereas uh, some other guitars, like if you hit it that hard, you've just killed it. The sweet spot was way somewhere else and you've got to kind of adjust to different instruments. And also like with a telly, again, compared to these, like, yeah, they're really nice guitars, pickups and an amplifier, they start, they actually do a lot of the job for you. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I'm not saying they're necessarily easier to play, but when you're so used to playing these all the time, then you play an electric, you're like, wow, it's like, taking off on its own almost, yeah you know yeah, I mean? yeah and there's just room for you can play notes that will just have lots of sustain on them and you can yeah, yeah yeah you know hang out on a note for a bit and hang out on a chord for a bit without needing that urgent need to change all the time yeah like, it's almost like a different instrument in a way you know in a sense yeah yeah, yeah. it's definitely a different feel but i i love playing the telecaster so much yeah. or just electric guitars in general because i've always been an acoustic player right so i'm still finding the sound of that yeah that's another thing so like did you 
because most guitar players I know started out, most gypsy jazz players I know, started out as like rock and blues and what and pop and whatever, and then found gypsy jazz in their like maybe late teens. Was that you as I well? I was that, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. so you were playing rock and stuff beforehand. Yeah, um, like before that I was playing, I don't know, way yeah, before that. Finger-picking finger picking stuff came a bit later. Before that, I was playing Jimmy Page guitar. Yeah. Just Led yeah. Zeppelin um, and Yes and, and prog really? bands and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then because of Steve Howe from Yes, yeah. the guitarist, I discovered them finger-picking, like yeah. Mole Travis and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and I got into just like... Oh, yeah. All that kind of stuff. Um, and I did that for years. And then through that, I found Jangle. That's cool. Did you ever meet Geary much? Do you know Geary Allen? Geary was like, uh, he's quite a young fellow. He's only 22, but I think he's moved up to um, Canterbury. But he was in London for a few years uh, doing uni. And so his dad's American. And he's a really good like bluegrass guy. And they've got like a big family, lots of kids. And they've got like a family band playing bluegrass and stuff. Hmm. But Geary was getting into gypsy jazz when he was here. And he was a really good player, and he had a, a phenomenal writing technique. Mm. But he come down, at, at first he kind of liked the tunes in G and C, and he kind of played bluegrass licks. But then slowly he was getting more Django licks in it. Um, but, but then I was like, go on, and plays a bit of bluegrass. And he played all that stuff, like, really well. But I'm surprised you never bumped no, into him. Never, like, no, never. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. At least I don't think so. I'm yeah. really sorry if you're watching. I just don't <laughs> yeah, man. And then, of course, yeah, there's, there's a weird kind of crossover with Gypsy Jazz and, like, the country picker guys. It sounds a bit weird, but I think it's born out of just an admiration that they have of Django. And so, like, like if you look at all these records behind me, right? Weirdly, a lot of the country players, you'll find, like, Manoir Demarevs will be on one of their albums, <laughs> or, or some uh, the odd, really obscure Django tune will be on there. Yeah. Um, so there's a kind of weird country gypsy jazz crossover. Gary Potter comes from the same thing. Oh, we did a... Me and Matt and Dave O'Brien did a small tour in the north of England with Gary Potter right and you know he he still actively plays that stuff he sometimes um, brings it out on gigs yeah and just on one gig we played that that you know I was playing the cannonball, cannonball right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah we did that together and it's just like there's more I don't know there's more people who who either not necessarily play it but know about it and appreciate it the kind of thing and it it does you're right it's you get these same people who want who, who enjoy playing GP jazz and the the, the gypsy jazz players who enjoy playing the fingerstyle stuff as well. It seems to, for some reason, mix in. I don't know any jazz guitarists, to, to my knowledge, that yeah. um, who to are playing fair, straight I, ahead I, who do that. Fair, I don't think it's only, only country guitar players. It's, it's like there's a lot of jazz guitar players that have a big admiration for, for Django in general. Oh uh, yeah, but I mean, that, that makes more sense to me, like, because they're, they're roughly batting on the same team. <coughs> Yeah, but there is a there is a lot of crossovers over there, like uh, country guitarists that they actually they are just players as well, or they 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 play a lot of standards. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Um. <laughs> no, 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 I don't know. I didn't say I didn't say that they are, they know the style. They play the the actual style. Totally, totally. And I think as well because you mentioned you know Mel Travis, obviously uh, Chet Atkins and stuff. I think there's just a general like appreciation of guitar players of any genre. Yeah. Like they're the greats, you know what I mean? And mm. even if you're like a metal shredder, you can well, appreciate Chet Atkins or yeah, Django. Yeah. Or what whoever. was the name of the guitar player that we played with you? Clive Carroll. Yeah. I mean, Clive Carroll is just if you just like the guitar as an instrument, yeah. You just have to listen to this guy. <laughs> if you just like the guitar, yeah. Just honestly, every note that guy plays is just 
What kind of uh, the name kind of rings a bell, but I don't know who this is. Um, and I guess he's a he's you know I, I don't want to put anything into one bracket, but just for the sake of conversation, sure, I'll say sure. he's a folk guitarist. Okay. But he he does you know his music goes so much deeper than that because his knowledge of music is just so vast and going from like medieval um, music wow. up to you know later folk music and blues and jazz as well and everything. Britney Spears, everything. Britney Spears, <laughs> um, de like definitely One Direction. As well. <laughs> yeah. That's but I think that's his favorite band actually. Oh well, essential stuff. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, essential. Listen. Um, and so that as well, and then, but it's. You know, his technique is flawless, his feel is just ridiculous, his compositions are amazing, and just the depth he brings you down, brings you, well, I don't say down, depth he brings you up, though. Yeah, like, yeah, right. People say bring you down, it's like, no, it's, it brings you up. Yeah, man. But Clive Carroll, man, just, just listen out. to anything, and it's phenomenal. So, so just to go back then, you, you, you're playing Jimmy Page and this kind of stuff, and then... And you got into Django through the country stuff. So, like, w when did you discover Django then? And, and how did you go about learning it? Like, it was um, it was like an exact day. I remember my brother, because my brother's a musician too, plays guitar. Yeah, yeah. He's, he, he Bert Jansch kind Bert of. Bert Jansch, and that's you know that's what he's doing right now. It's just like fourteen yeah, writing yeah. compositions too. But he came home one day with a bunch of CDs back when we used to like go out and buy CDs, yeah. HMV, <laughs> and bring them back and listen yeah, to yeah, them. Yeah. Um, one of them was a Django Reinhardt CD. And I didn't know who he was. I just saw that picture where he's like got a stick in his mouth and he's got a little mustache. Looking pretty just, cool. Just doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like well, that looks pretty cool. So I just put it on and it was minor swing, like yeah. the recording, the one that we all know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was like, oh man, blah blah blah. Um, and through that, then it was like I found the Rosenberg trio. Yeah. And I didn't yeah. touch the music for ages. I was 15 when I first heard it. I didn't even touch it until I was about 17. Right. Didn't do anything with it because I was just intimidated by it. I thought, ah, it's, I don't know. Too hard to get into. Too, too hard to get into. I didn't want to go back to using a pick because I'd been using just my fingers the whole time. Okay. And I was like, ah, I'll just leave it. But then I was just so obsessed with it that I just picked around with it and just played stuff. Mm. I didn't have a gypsy jazz guitar back then. And just tried to follow recordings, just simple stuff. And just looked at little lessons, looked at things, looked at what people were doing. Josko Stefan was some guy I saw ages ago and he said to me you know it's all just mainly arpeggios so i was like right. what is an arpeggio tell me what an arpeggio is and yeah. i will learn it um and so i learned arpeggios of stuff and just a minor arpeggios as simple as that and just went around not even that just like just things like that going around recordings yeah, right. and just what i could pick out brilliant and it just progressed from there and i just learned <laughs> and then i think the breakthrough was when with stockler rosenberg Right. And I just learned every note that he recorded. Yeah. I learned it. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. Wow. Every single note that he recorded. And that is a I lot of it. notes as that well. That is a, a lot, lot of notes. notes. <laughs> I, I learned every solo of every record of Stockler Rosenberg. Wow. And then that for me was like a big treasure chest I gave myself. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. it was the basis of like everything I played. Yeah. And it sort of still is because every thing I play on the guitar. Even though after years of playing and years of experience and years of learning, you get branches that grow out of this this tree, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Was the stock of Rosenberg, but I still see the position at hand. 
It's yeah. like I'm doing so many things now on the guitar that are different to what I was used to do, but I can st somehow still see that's the kind of base the core, that and that has from. branched out from all these things I've learned from Stockolo. That's amazing. And Django, obviously, as well, but yeah. there was something about Stockolo I was just like, oh my yeah. god, what's that? I got, I got to say, like, Stockolo, like, in terms of shaping the genre, like, Stockolo's massive, and like, I know people who would say Stockolo's just as important as Django, because if you think about, uh, Django Reinhardt was a guy who did Hot Club for a while and then did kind of essentially more jazz setups of drums and pianos like most of his career really. But Stotolo, I think, was the guy that really solidified the guitar trio Hot Club, this is what gypsy jazz is <coughs> for a lot of people. And also, I think Stotolo was one of the guys that really made it a lot more about virtuosity. Mm. So like, and I'm, you know, in Django solos, you can get a long way through before there's like a super fast bit. It's just really nice phrasing, beautiful playing. Mm. Uh, whereas Stoholo can do, and you'll know, you know all the solos, can do like start to finish like... Knew all the solos. <laughs> yeah, okay. In case yeah, you're yeah. going to try and stand me up and maybe play more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me find this out here. Uh, like, uh, 38 seconds on, on this track. <laughs> you, you're saying that there's a joke, but that's, that, was the, that was the extent to just how I knew them. I was like, I just knew the second and everything on the CD of where this note was and stuff. That's amazing. It was ridiculous. Had a lot of free time back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, um, yeah, for me, I think Stockholm, like I say, so when I when I discovered Django, I think Stockholm was one of the first, if not the first band uh, name after him, after mm. Django that I discovered. Mm. And like, I don't know, for me, kind of solidifies the genre almost. Do you, do you know what I mean? He's got that sound, right, that I think, I don't know, it's like, where would you put Birelli then? Well, Birelli, because I mean, like, obviously when he was young... Or Jimmy, Jimmy Rosenberg. Well, all I'd say is, like, Jimmy comes a little bit after Soho. Yeah, no, obviously, yeah. And Birelli, maybe a little bit before in terms of, like, gigging and stuff. You see him as a little boy, right, in the yeah. like, late, late 70s. But I just think, like... Soloing on double bass, as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think in terms of, like, making albums and just sort of impact on the scene. Uh, because I think by the time so Seresta comes out in like eighty nine, eighty nine, yeah, eighty nine. Uh, at that point, I think Borelli had already kind of started doing like jazz fusion stuff, you know. And like by the time he was like early twenties, he kind of so so he hadn't pushed the genre, made it kind of super famous by the time he went up. And then of course he came, comes back in two thousand three with the Gypsy Project, and that was massive. And and we know him as a gypsy jazz player, more for that stuff, I think. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I think, because as, as, like the gypsy bosser, you know, for Sephora and all things like that, that, that wasn't around when Django was here. But like that kind oh, of... It was with Dorello. I Dorello Schmidt, for example. couldn't possibly say where that stuff came from, the gypsy bosser thing. I don't know where that... Where okay, so that might not have been a, a Rosenberg thing then. It's hard to say. I mean, it's... Because the rhythm is what they would call a rombo in flamenco music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not a bossa, yeah. but it's, it is that in Gypsy. I don't yeah. know where it's come from. I'd never looked into that, like where, where the genesis of that was. But yeah, it happened sometimes, sometime around the 90s. After the now that I think about it, you're right, because the two big ones are Forza 4 and Bossa Dorado. Yeah. They're the two that everybody kind of knows. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I wonder which one kind of came. Because I'm sure the first recording of Bossa Dorado is, is like very much not what you'd expect. It's like drums and piano and it's kind of... Is it? Yeah, it's it's a really different thing. It's not like kind of like hot club playing yeah, yeah. A, a Latin. Do you know what I mean? Um, well, I, I thought I thought it was an older recording because it, that is that era of the of the Rado is like a later one. 
like when he's tired to try yeah play with the, with the, with drums actually yeah the electric guitar see i don't know dorado's like early recordings that well yeah i know there's one called like parisian which is just like a straight yeah, jazz yeah. record he's like shredded like crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. on an arch top yeah and then but i know all the kind of family records yeah, later yeah. on right um, but i don't know like his early output you're wanted oh this one well that's my one so that's fine Um, have you seen that, that my favourite video in the whole world of Dora Schmidt is you must have seen it it's, it's, it's in Samoa in 1994 and he's fucking ripped he's ripped yeah, like, yeah, his yeah. muscles are just like <laughs> yeah. tree trunks and, and, he's, exactly got some, and he's just playing the dark eyes solo yeah, yeah, yeah. but on this on this like you know it yeah. but on the arch top and the sound mm -hmm. on the arch top just like it's about as big as his muscles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just like, I love that video. That yeah, is so it, cool. It's so, because again, like for kind of our generation, I, I always see Dorado as like this kind of old gentleman, but I never saw him as like the ripped, young, tough motherfucker shredding like a Man, beast I, on guitar. Uh, I would not want to say the wrong thing to that guy at that moment. <laughs> In general, to be honest with you, but especially yeah, yeah, yeah. on that gig. Um, he's actually one of my favorite Gypsy Jazz players, like in terms of his style. And his improvising, uh, he's, he's I, maybe I, one or two or three, you know what I mean? Mm. I was very lucky to play with him long ago. Really? And that was like fast Was that school. the cucumber? Yeah, man. long ago. And uh, that, uh, that was incredible. The sound of that guy, man, is yeah. just out of this world. Yeah, he's so good, man. And he writes such nice tunes. Yes. Like little simple tunes. He doesn't remember really all of them, though. <laughs> huh? yeah. He doesn't remember all of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He once kissed me. Not like Just right there. Oh, really? Just like got my head. It was just like... You'd never wash that bit of your face. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Ugh. It's the French thing. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's play a tune, man. Yeah. What should we play? Any, any, any requests, chaps? Um... Let's play. Don't know. Nah, it's cool. Don't worry. So don't worry. It's cool. But take a couple of pictures if you want. That'll be handy enough for the gram. Um. Yeah. Whatever, man. Um, Let's play a ballad. We haven't played a ballad yet. All right. Let's play a ballad. Let's play. I don't think we've ever done that on the podcast. We can do that. I'll yeah. see, maybe something that's tiny bit shorter. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 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 Whatever, man. Jungle um, Castle. Something shorter in terms of What about the one that sounds like Dragon's Castle? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, great. That's not Sol. Do you want to play Dance Norvege? No, go on, you might as well. You just want to play tunes. Go on. Oh, you might as well play Yoga Tower then. Go on, be quick, be quick, be quick. <laughs> I don't know how long we've been. I'm having a good time, but I don't know how long we've been playing. Feels like about. 35 minutes. To 35 me. minutes. That's quite precise. Yeah, that's what it feels no, like. No, no, sit down there. Sit down there, Sol. Right, Sol, you're the host of the podcast now. So you oh. don't do all, you don't do all the time. <laughs> right, let's just start playing quickly then. <laughs> 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 the three guitars, no? That, that would be nice. Like a proper hot clap. <laughs> three guitars, like a proper hot clap. Oh, you guys know Nice. Cut this bit out. I've forgotten what tune we're playing. 
I don't know. Sorry. It just keeps getting higher and higher and higher. It's just like, what? Sorry, because we went through three tunes. I'm really sorry. Okay. You play Nuage, you play Jenga's Castle, I play Yeah. You play a really fast blues. Exactly, yeah. That's how it's going to work. Alright, sorry.
subscribe <laughs> yeah like and subscribe I yeah. always forget that bit so yeah well cheers like and subscribe like and subscribe like and su- yeah. click the like button beneath <laughs> here and uh, make sure to subscribe and like and we will like you and subscribe soon there you go. that's all you gotta say brilliant just say say thanks to the two of will do <laughs> come on <okay. laughs> alright nice it, yeah, right. Oh, wait, should I do it or not? Yeah, just do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, brilliant. Well, that's um, today's podca- podcast come to a conclusion. Um, uh, look into that camera. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was off, isn't it? Yeah. Brilliant. Well, there's um, today's podcast done. Um, thanks, Kirsch, and Yogs for c- coming along. Thanks, uh, Cornelius, man. It's great. <laughs> great to chat. Brilliant. Well, um, <laughs> nice one. Excellent. Great. Well done, everyone. <laughs> Yeah, we did it. Let's get this, get Mate, you did really well. Flawless, flawless, flawless. Flawless. Thanks, 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 thanks,